0: We're going to continue our To Your Advantage series. Last week we had a, uh, a minor uh, break as Gareth excellently took us through uh, a prayer Sunday and focus on prayer. And uh, so we're going to carry on in this series. It all roots out of John sixteen seven, where Jesus says, It's to your advantage I go, because if I don't, I won't be able to send him to you, referring to the Holy Spirit at work in us. I want to explore a little bit of the journey today in where we go with Holy Spirit to explore who we have become and who we are becoming in our relationship to God. And what does those sort of steps in the journey look like? And we're going to take a few sort of leapfrog points We're going to look at grace, which is the starting foundation of everything that we do. We're going to look at intimacy, which is the root from which everything flows. We're going to look at the motivation of our hearts and being aligned with him to see the expression of the kingdom. And we're going to be looking at the source of everything that we do. And then we come back to grace again. Because everything we do in this life is bookmarked by grace. The beginning and the end, we find that he has gone ahead of us and he has done everything that we need. He is our source, he is our supply, he is our strength, he is everything. And so we find him in grace there as we complete our journey today. Ephesians 2, 4-5. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. This journey is not about our own efforts. It's difficult, isn't it, sometimes when we read some of the New Testament passages and we go through them and they're quite instructive. And they're saying, do this, do that, don't do that, do this, that we kind of can get easily sidetracked into believing it's our effort. That we have to work this up. It's as logical as saying to somebody, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's something we can't do in and of ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit's power present in us to affect the changes that he wants to make in us. It is God's desire that we become like his son, that Jesus would become the firstborn among many sons and daughters made in his image. One of the most intimate parts of us in our relationship with Holy Spirit is how he deals with us and convicts us of anything in us that offends the Father, that offends him. And he works in us to perform this miracle. Because if Holy Spirit didn't ignite that recognition of wrongdoing before God, didn't cause us to be aware and awake to it, we'd still be dead in our sins. We wouldn't be alive to recognize the difference between his holiness and his purity and his high standard and our own shortfall. So this is the challenge. Who here likes being told where you've done something wrong? Who here likes to be corrected? We don't enjoy it, do we? We don't thrive in it. Actually, what the Bible teaches is you should enjoy it. And you should thrive in it because it produces in us life that wells up inside. The lid on it can be pride. The lid that says, I'm all right. I've got it sorted. It's okay. Or I can work this. I can make it happen in and of my own strength. That's what sits on the grace of God that convicts us in his gentleness and then we go, "Oh, no, I don't like that. Yeah, push it down again. I'm all right. We're good. Let's go another week." It's this Holy Spirit work in us that draws us into intimacy, into the innermost parts, where His word is powerful and effective, and it divides us up, and it all gets revealed. But he does it like the master surgeon. He doesn't just come in with a great big sword and hack us down the middle. Have you ever seen those abattoir animals being cut ready for butchery? You know, everything's just out and they cut the thing. And he's like, oh, my days, that's rough. If you ever get that image in your head of dividing bone and marrow, you're like, well, I don't want God to do that to me. Who knows what's going to come out? I don't like that. But the reality is he works in us like a master surgeon, revealing. Where the problem is, there's a problem here. Let's work on it together. I'm working with you in this. Let's look at this area. I'm working with you in that. Let's look at this route. I want to undo it. I want to set a new foundation. I want to give you a new identity, a new understanding of who you are. I want to open life up to you. So the Holy Spirit's work in us is one of the greatest mercies that we can celebrate. He's proven to me that I'm selfish and self-centered. Hallelujah. The light is on. I can see. Without that, I'd be in the darkness thinking everything's fine and it's all good and I've got it. That's the reality. And so he now, by his spirit, is working in me to transform me into the likeness of his son. So the selfishness falls away and life gets borne up as his spirit and I walk together in harmony. The psalmist writes this famous verses, doesn't he? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. What are anxious thoughts? Anxious thoughts are hopeless expressions of a future without God. They're a statement that says, I cannot see you in my future and I don't believe you're going to operate in it. So I'm going to run in my anxiety about what might happen, what might come about. It's a shifting of our eyes off of him onto the problem and staying focused on the problem. Now, he is gracious. and He gently comes alongside us and just lifts our chin. I believe he's doing that this morning. He's just coming alongside and he's lifting your chin and he's saying, what are you anxious about? What's troubling you? what's keeping you from me today? How can we put the light on so that you can see what it is that is hindering you and that I can bring you into greater freedom? Verse 24, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. It is this sort of Old Testament vision of what walking in the Spirit is. David didn't have the fullness of the expression of the Holy Spirit in his day. Holy Spirit was present. He was anointing. He was guiding. He was falling on people. He was causing things to happen, but it wasn't abroad, wide, like it is today. And So now we know that the Holy Spirit is present at work in us, and therefore he walks us along this path of everlasting life. What does that look like? How do I do it? Let's have a look at intimacy with God. Go to Galatians 5, 16-26 if you've got that in your Bible with you. I'll read through. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law of Moses. This is a radical teaching to the new church that was mostly made up by Jews. This revelation that this dynamic, path of everlasting life that is now guided by the work of the holy spirit in them in us opens up the opportunity to fulfill and go beyond the law of moses jesus says doesn't he you know you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery but i say to you Whoever looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. He sets a higher standard because of the grace that's available through his Holy Spirit. He says, now, the law of Moses is redundant. It's no longer a vehicle for righteousness. It never achieved righteousness in the first place anyway, because you can't do it. It was there as a clear flag, a red flag saying to you, you cannot achieve righteousness with God on your own. And so the standard of the law set us up to fail. We couldn't do it. We knew it. But actually that standard is superseded by the grace at work in us by his Holy Spirit. Now, Christ-like now being like Jesus becomes a possibility because his Spirit is in us. We have a choice, therefore. How do I walk in step with his Spirit? How do I walk along with him? so that my life is now conformed more to his ways and less to mine. What's that journey look like? And Paul unpacks it here, writing to the church in Galatia, that was under pressure to reconnect with the law and follow the law, and therefore lose the grace that was being presented. Verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity... Lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Whew. Now put your hand up if you've never done any of those. We know what's in us, don't we? We know what's been in us in our history. But it's not what defines us now. Let me tell you again, he says, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What do we want to do? We want to inherit the kingdom of God, don't we? We want to walk in his presence and in his power and in his authority. We're not going to be able to do that if we're living with a foot in both camps. I want to appease all the desires of my flesh, of my, you know, what I want to do that is an offence towards God, but I also want to see his kingdom come. And we could perhaps look at Corinthians, the letter to Corinth, and say, look, they had all sorts of stuff going on. They had sexual immorality, they had all sorts of stuff, but the Holy Spirit was present. He was working amazingly. And go, therefore, by grace, it's all good, right? We do what we like. Well, the point of Paul's letter and the record is to say, guys, you can't do that. Because while his grace overarches the sin that's present, Paul's writing to them to put the light on. Go, guys, this bit ain't good. So even in God's grace, while his spirit's at work amongst you, he wants that gone because he wants even more increase. He wants you to truly represent him to the world, and he wants you present and full of fire so that you're able to witness to everybody the gospel of the kingdom of God. And so there's this dynamic play at work in us. How do we put to death the old life and come alive into the new? He moves on. He says, look, the Holy Spirit produces this sort of fruit in us, love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Put your hand up if you've got all of those sorted. We're on a journey, aren't we? And we're all starting from different places, from our history and our life experience. He says, there's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. In other words, it was a done deal. I left it there on the cross with Jesus. He absorbed it all. I am now free. What does that look like? How do I walk in it? Where do I go next? Paul says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. He's saying in everything that you do, Be mindful of the presence of Jesus and value him and his presence above everything else. Above everything else. Be mindful of him and keep in step with his spirit. Follow him. It's like staying on track. It's the mandate that God gave Joshua. Turn neither to the right nor the left. Stick with me, Joshua. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He just wants to keep us. He just holds us and says, look, just keep on me. Keep on me. Don't look around. Don't get distracted. Keep on me. And you know what? There is this this amazing thing that Holy Spirit does. Just as you spend time with him, that he just gently transforms the heart. It's the washing of the word. We read the word. The word is powerful and effective. It cuts and it brings life. It brings healing. It removes spiritual tumors, wrong thinking. And as we rest in him, he restores our soul. He's the perfect shepherd of our souls. But it's all about intimacy. It's about being with him. You can't fast track it. You can't squeeze it into five minutes here or there or wherever and find that, yeah, look, I'm growing into maturity in Christ because I did a 30-second app. It's hard, isn't it? It's challenging. But as we saw in our meeting earlier, the reality is when we give God our attention and we worship him and we focus on him, he is incredibly gracious and he comes and speaks to our immediate, present and greatest need. And what he's calling us to is that life of intimacy. He's saying, push out what hinders and bring me into the middle of it all. Bring me into the middle of it all. Don't leave me out in the cold. Bring me in. Keep me close. As we go through this Journey. No, if you could move me on, please, Annabelle. Thank you. If you uh, was that me or was that you? That was me. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> you see, Paul's thing throughout whatever he talked about was that he might know Jesus. You know, he he, he says, you know, I I refused. I refuse to communicate anything but Christ crucified and the effect of him crucified on the world and on me. That was it. I refuse to boast about anything because he has done it all. And so his heart, in his seeking the kingdom of God, in He's seeking to see people know who Jesus is. In He's seeking to see the Holy Spirit expressions of healing and prophecy and tongues and and grace poured out and the growth of the fivefold ministry and all the different manifest attributes of the kingdom of God amongst His people and out in the world. His greatest thing was this: that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to his death. He just wanted to follow his saviour so closely, so absolutely, that everything else came from the overflow of that place of intimacy. That's where it came from. That was it. And so he draws us in. Paul says to us, don't get distracted. Reorientate yourself around Jesus. The reality is when we share his motives, he will trust us increasingly with his power. Intimacy leads to the right motivation of our hearts to see the kingdom of God expressed. See, Holy Spirit isn't just seeking for us to live right But he's also seeking for us to express the kingdom and the power of the kingdom. We want to make sure that we're getting things the right way around. That we're honouring him with a place of intimacy and a living right before him and a closeness saying, Jesus, just put the light on, put the light on, do it again. Search me, know me. See what's going on in my heart. And then move me by what moves you. It's his compassion, isn't it? Jesus did miracles. He did miraculous things because he wanted people to know who he was. And he wanted people to be healed. And he wanted people to be saved and added into his church. He wanted people to be rescued. He wanted the hopeless to have hope. He was motivated by love. And so as we pursue him, we find love fills us. And we're motivated by love to pour it out into the world. And so he is looking for people who love like he loves and pours that out into the world around us. I want us to basically capture one inherent sort of idea in our thinking. And it's this. The grace of God enables us to do what he calls us to do. He enables. It's not an uphill struggle in and of our own. He calls and he enables. But he wants us to be intentional and to engage in the journey. He wants us to engage in the journey in asking him to switch the light on and to search us and explore in his gentleness what needs to be conformed to his son. And we've all got stuff that needs to be conformed to Jesus. But he also wants to switch the light on and cause us to understand what the dynamic of his kingdom is like. He doesn't just want us to be conformed to the likeness of his son in our behaviour. He also wants us to be conformed to the likeness of his son in the outworking of the presence of God. Jesus said of himself, I only do what I see the Father doing. And so it's this keeping in step with the Spirit, following him, saying, Lord, what are you doing today? What does this afternoon look like? What does this next meeting I've got look like? What does next week look like? What are you doing? So he doesn't want us just to become focused in on, am I living right behaviours? But he also wants us to explore what it is to walk with him and follow him and actually keep in step with his spirit and be led by him through our days and through our weeks. So it's not, you must get this done first, become like my son, and then you may follow me. It's parallel. It's like two two borders of the highway. On the one hand, he's saying, Guys, I want you to be conformed to the likeness of my son. Don't wander after there, into the briars and into the ditch and into the mud and into the mire. And the other side of the highway is, I want my kingdom to look like this. So don't go outside it. Look like this. Be seeking the outworking of my presence amongst you and in you day to day. And we're going to explore a bit more of what that looks like next week. When Peter talks about what the dynamic is of the church and the Holy Spirit in the church together. Now, one of the big things of doing this life and walking this highway is being in fellowship with others. It's really hard to do on your own. Because it's the gift of the Holy Spirit in other people that is enabling them to see things we can't always see. Because we've all got a different history, we've all got a different background, we've all got different personalities. So we need other people to help us in the journey.